Good day to you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Film Focus, episode 132, the double review for Dune and Last Night in Soho. Ladies and gentlemen of the North, South, East and West and welcome to another episode of Film Focus. I'm your host, the Hypersonic 55 and I'm glad that you decided to join me once again for some film related discussion. And today we're going back to film doubles again. As I said at the start of the episode, we're going to be talking about Dune and Last Night in Soho. Now I had initially planned to do my review of Dune around the time that the film came out, but because of annoying work related commitments i ended up having to push back my review by at least a week and then push it back just a little bit more because since i ended up seeing last night in soho after my second viewing of dune i was like you know what screw it i'm just gonna put these two together it's not so much that i don't have enough for dune to make it its own episode which i could but I'd much rather have these both in the same episode so then I can move on to the next topic and save myself on a bit of editing in the audio and, uh, you know, just doing the thumbnail for this episode. But yeah, when it comes to Dune and Last Night in Soho, these were two of my most anticipated films of the year. I think they were both my most anticipated films of last year as well, but then they both got pushed back into 2021. So yeah, I mean, Dune, obviously, a very noteworthy book series has had a number of adaptations beforehand, but they never quite gelled with everybody. And since it was Denis Villeneuve behind it, I was hyped from the outset, um, especially with Blade Runner 2049 being one of my favorite films of the modern age. And then with Last Night in Soho, it was just a case of, it's Edgar Wright, I like that guy. I love most of his movies and to see him step into the sort of horror genre was an intriguing element to me. And even before there was even any footage of this film, I was like, yeah, screw it, I'm in. And the trailers made me more intrigued. So, how do these films stack up? Well, I will tell you in the spoiler-free review. So we're going to start with June 1st and then we'll move on to Last Night in Soho. There will be time codes for the episodes in the description below. But without further ado, let's jump in. All right, so first up is June. I unfortunately didn't get to see the film in IMAX. I'm kind of annoyed about that, but I'm still glad I got to see this in the cinema because this is one of those films that has that spectacle that needs to be seen on the big screen. Simply put, Dune is a beautiful visual and just presentation-wise, it is stunning. I think the cast are really good and the story is very interesting. However, I feel like for as many good things as there is in this film, there's a few minor hiccups here and there that prevent it from being the sort of captivating adventure that I was hoping for. So, let's start out with the story. So the plot for this film can be summed up as the following. This film is set in the far future and it follows Paul Atreides as his family, the noble house Atreides, is thrust into a war for the dangerous desert planet known as Arrakis. And that is a way for me to summarize the story without going into the area of spoilers. I thought that this film had so much interesting stuff in there. I love the lore and mythology that comes with these different planets and these different houses. 
and all these different moving parts because the plot has a lot of things that's happened in the past that come into play in the present and in the present story there are things happening that you can see but then there's also stuff happening in the background and there's also seeds being set that will take place in the future so obviously when this film gets a sequel there will be certain things that transpire in this film that will translate and be built upon in the sequel and I really just enjoyed learning about these different houses, how they all have very distinct looks and feels, different planets, and how some of them wish to fall in line and, you know, serve under the Duke. But then there are others who have plans for this upcoming war, who wish to usurp the power from above and change the hierarchy of power and that was just so fascinating to me and very interesting that there was all these secret politics going on and with a sort of democratic system there's always going to be those in the background who are trying to plot and cause some chaos and then as the film progresses you start to see that go down in very interesting ways. And I also love when there is a story that centers on a certain individual who has the potential to bring balance or bring chaos to everybody in the known galaxy or universe. And this idea of predestination, having a future and potentially being able to change that or have it sort of set in stone, I love that kind of stuff. It's so fun and captivating. I think the issues that I ran into with this film was that for as much as I was interested, I found it kind of hard to follow mainly when it came to the names of people and locations. This film felt like Lord of the Rings except times 1000 and what I mean by that is in the world of Lord of the Rings and to a degree the Hobbit films, you have a bunch of different characters that you have to follow and a bunch of different locations and all of them have very specific names and very specific meanings and trying to follow that in this film felt especially tricky just because some names of places or characters have more than one name and trying to follow what these guys are saying sometimes was a little tricky and the significance of certain characters sort of fluctuated I mean most of the main cast you know what their deal is but then there are certain other people that come into play and you're just like oh crap I kind of forgot you were a key element of this or I didn't expect you to be as noteworthy as you are and certain elements felt like they needed a little bit more fleshing out especially when it came to the depth of certain characters so certain things happen and you're just like this didn't have the same sort of emotional weight that I had hoped it would and even though I know that there was going to be a sequel there was a lot in this film that felt like it was setting up for the next film so for as much as I was invested in this half of the film, it definitely felt like a half and not as feature complete as it could have been. And I really wish that I could have seen this film with subtitles because there were certain points where people were saying certain things and they were either speaking a little too quickly or speaking a little quietly. So the film score was a little loud. So I'm like, what are you saying? And while I never found the film boring or long, I definitely felt, especially towards the middle section of the film, that the runtime was definitely there. But yeah, overall, I found the story quite captivating and interesting.
Alright, and now it's time to move on to the cast, and the tricky thing is there are a lot of names to try and remember, and I will probably fail at remembering them all, so bear with me, ladies and gentlemen. I thought Timothy Chalamet as Paul was really cool. I liked him because he was a character stepping into a situation that was far beyond him, but involved him in every sense. And seeing how he tried to navigate the world and deal with some of these like larger-than-life situations was interesting. And Rebecca Ferguson as Lady Jessica, I love Rebecca Ferguson and she was really good as well. I enjoyed her part to play in this film and her role was a lot more significant than I expected. But I liked how she factored into the film and her screen time with uh, Chalamet was really cool. Those guys bounced off each other really well. I also really like Oscar Isaac. He was really fun. I quite liked him. And Josh Brolin... I like him in most things. He was pretty good in this film. Stellan Skarsgård, I liked his role in this film. It was unexpected, but quite interesting. I also liked Dave Bautista and David Dashmelchin. Those guys were a little bit more like subdued than I expected in terms of like uh, their performances, but I quite enjoyed those as well. There has also been a lot of talk about Zendaya and her contribution to this film. And I feel like if you're a massive Zendaya fan, maybe you probably will be disappointed. But I feel like some of these people were coming into this film forgetting that it was an ensemble piece. So everybody would have to get screen time. And it's all about the nature of the story. Certain people will have more screen time than others. And since her character has a certain level of significance now and in the sequel, I feel like some people are missing the bigger picture. But who knows? And then you also have Jason Momoa as Duncan, who was just really cool. Momoa has just this natural swagger that makes him so fun to watch in films, and I really liked him in this film. And finally, the other person I will mention is Javier Bardem. I love Javier Bardem in pretty much everything, and I thought he was pretty good in this film as well. And now it's time to talk about the presentation, which honestly is my favourite aspect of this film. Visually, this film is just stunning. I cannot get over how great this film looks. Denis Villeneuve is a really smart director when it comes to picking his cinematographers. They always bring such beauty to his films. And this, like Arrival, has such a great sense of scope. And when certain things are big, you really feel the size and scale of everything. Arrakis as a planet looks so beautiful as this sandy planet and obviously having seen Star Wars and a few other films that have desert worlds before you think obviously you've seen them all there's not much else that you can be wowed at but the way in which Greg Frazier at least I hope that's how you say his name the cinematographer for this film made it work it looks so good and if you're familiar with uh, Frazier's work he is really good at creating breathtaking and really good visual material from Rogue One to Zero Dark Thirty and I think this film just looks so nice such a nice film and I'm so excited for his work in the Batman because he's also the cinematographer on that film so yeah this film just looks so nice and I like the way the action sequences were done there was some cool visual effects when it came to how some of these abilities and powers worked and I also like the lighting and while the colors are a little bit more subdued there are definitely some really small and grand beautiful moments in the visuals and then there's that score from Hans Zimmer 
Oh, it is something else. Now, I know there has been some discussion online as to whether Zimmer's score actually counts as a score because it's not your standard traditional film score. It is a little bit more out there with erratic changing and odd sounds that feel a little bit more alien for a lack of a better term, but that's one of my favorite aspects of this film. It's not conventional, and it really does feel like something otherworldly, strange and exciting and different. And those vocals, when they're implemented in the film, is so nice. And it's annoying because there are traditional elements of a classic film score meshed within the overall sound. It's just that it's surrounded by really interesting choices of instruments and sounds that just feel irregular but in the best way possible now i unlike a lot of i guess other people did check out the pool's dream single that was released beforehand which had the songs pool's dream and ripples in the sand and i had been listening to that for at least a good month or so since its release and i was enchanted by pool's dream as like one of my favorite new pieces of music from film for a while and I feel like this film has such a unique and beautiful sound that just elevates everything that's happening on screen. It's wonderful. So yeah, for me, I would say it's probably the best film score I've heard from Hans Zimmer since probably Interstellar. All right, so now it's time for the conclusion. Overall, I would say Dune, also known as Dune Part 1, is pretty damn good. It was an exciting, thrilling, interesting and different kind of film i know it definitely won't be for everybody because at least in my first screening there was a bunch of people that walked out and i was surprised but i guess some people were expecting something a little bit more upbeat and action focused maybe but if you go in with an open mind you'll definitely have a good time the performances are really good there's a lot of really intriguing and fun elements that come with the story and yeah again the presentation is so good but yeah, your enjoyment of the film will definitely depend on what you're interested in and whether the trailers capture you. But now we move from one film to another, and now we'll start talking about Last Night in Soho. When the first trailer came out, I was like, hmm, this wasn't what I was expecting, but at the same time, I wasn't sure what I was expecting from the outset. All I'd heard was that there was time travel, the 1960s, and it was going to be a horror. Now, after having seen the film, I can definitely say I enjoyed the film, but it wasn't as compelling as I would have hoped. So the story for this film could be summed up as the following. The main protagonist is Ellie, and she has aspirations of being a fashion designer. So she moves from the country to London to study fashion in this new university. And at first, things are a little overwhelming for her, and she has some of her own issues that you'll find out when you watch the film. But once she arrives in London, she discovers that she has the ability to travel back in time to the 1960s and starts to see the life of a young individual who wants to be a singer. But as the film progresses, we start to realize that there is a darker side to the world of fame and fortune and things really start to get weird, dark and creepy as things go on and that is a way for me to describe the film without going into the area spoilers now there are aspects of this film that on their own i really appreciate the idea of going back to the past and 
reliving these sort of golden years that have this glitz and glamour, a wonderful look, really cool music, and there's just the vibe about it that seems really cool. But as it's always been shown, in the world of entertainment, there is this underbelly of all sorts of shady, dodgy, and really heartbreaking material. So yeah, there is a lot of interesting themes relating to fantasy versus reality and chasing one's dreams only to find out that what we initially wanted may not actually be as wonderful as we thought it to be. And there was a lot of interesting stuff going on with Ellie as we meet her at the start of the film and then discover what's actually happening with her and a few of the other characters surrounding her. And in pieces, there are certain segments of this film that I absolutely love and love the way that this story was told. But as an overall cohesive piece, I don't think it comes together as well as it could have done. There is the initial hook of seeing how Ellie comes into this world of the past. And for the first half of the film, I was intrigued. I was really enjoying myself and was trying to figure out what the, you know how this whole thing would come together. But then once you get to the final act of the film and then certain revelations come to pass, I was just like, hmm, I don't know now. I mean, I get it, but considering the tone and some of the uh, genre mashups that we have here, I just don't feel like they came together very well. Now this film introduces a sort of otherworldly supernatural element to it. And then you have a more grounded side. And I kind of wish that the film had picked one side or the other because it has this foot between both sides and I kind of feel that overall it just doesn't work as well. I kind of wish it had gone at least a little bit more fantastical or if it just went straight up grounded. Now the grounded approach would have meant that this film was a little bit more conventional but I feel like with the right writers and the right direction, you could have like you know made it work in a more conventional manner. I just found that the story... It was unique, it has some great stuff in there, but yeah, in the end, I still enjoyed myself. It was still a unique experience. I just kind of wish that we had had a story that fit together with all those pieces, like, you know, slotting. As for the cast, I quite enjoyed everybody in here. I thought they were all pretty good. Thomasin McKenzie, she was really great. She played this character who was kind of timid, but also had this affection for the 60s. She's very bright and cheerful, and she has this wonderful energy to her, but she also deals with a lot of stress and has her own like sort of mental issues that come into play when you watch it in the film. And Mackenzie, she had to do a lot. And whether it was her on her own or interacting with other people, she did a great job. Anya Taylor-Joy as Sandy, she was wonderful. I think now she's become one of those actresses that I don't expect to see anything less than great from her because she's always just really good. Diana Rigg, oh my god. She was in this film a little less than the rest of the cast, but her part was wonderful. And it's a shame that she's no longer with us because, my god, she put in a good performance. Matt Smith as Jack. I'm really starting to come around on Matt Smith now. It's not that I ever disliked him, it's just that 
I thought he was good in Doctor Who, but I was never like, you know, a crazy big fan. But I think post Doctor Who, he's become one of the more interesting actors that I like to see around. And he definitely has a wonderful charisma and intensity to this role that, you know, made him really fun to watch. Terence Stamp as Lindsay. Oh my gosh, Terence Stamp is fun. He's definitely one of those sort of guys that you can rely on just to put in a decent performance. And this role was surprising. Uh, just in the way in which certain things come into play with him, but he was really good. And there was also this other actor, Michael Ajayo, at least I hope that's how you say his name, he played John. He was Ellie's friend, and I quite enjoyed him as well. He was this nice, helpful, kind of awkward dude, but man, I know people like him. At, at one point, I was someone like him, so I definitely sort of related to him in one way or another, but he was really fun. And yeah, the rest of the cast, they were all pretty good. Although there were certain people that were putting in performances where it's just like, is this a caricature? Because this seems one of those sort of performances that you see in a skit show or something that feels like a uh, like a parody of real life. But yeah, I mean, besides some of those like awkward minor performances, everybody else is pretty solid. And now we move on to the presentation, and I feel like this is the film's strongest element. The cinematography in this film is gorgeous. There's such a great emphasis on color, lighting, the framing of certain shots, and the cinematographer, who I think is called Jung Hun Jung, is so good. He frames the camera in certain ways, and there's some really good stuff done with mirrors and the dance sequences and some of those horror sequences are also very nicely done i do feel like the cgi on a few occasions did look a bit questionable but otherwise it was fine also the film score from stephen price is really nice it has a good sort of sombering melancholy yet has that right kind of oomph that you require for a film score that has like this sort of mis uh, disturbing material involved. And the soundtrack is really nice as well. There is some cracking choices of songs in this film, some of which I'm aware of and some of which I'm not, but I'm definitely going to be giving these songs a listen at one point because some of this stuff is really, really nice. In the end, I would say Last Night in Soho was a good time and it is worth watching, though I don't feel like I'll be compelled to give this another watch for a while. It just doesn't have that same kind of hook or interest for me as Edgar Wright's previous films, although I do enjoy the fact that this was a step outside of the regular genre for him and his cast is really good, the presentation was wonderful, it's just that, again, that plot for me just didn't come together in the way in which I thought would be, you know, satisfying. Alright, and with that, our episode reviews are over. So, Dune and Last Night in Soho, have you seen one or the other, or have you seen both? Whatever your thoughts are, please be sure to drop them in the comment section below, or hit me up on Twitter where I'm at hyperson 55 or at filmfocus 55 Check out the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify, and all those other good places where podcasts can be found. And yeah, be sure to swing back pretty soon because I'll have my review for The Eternals, which I'm very curious to hear what that film is saying after the mixed reception that's been coming out. Although I've seen fan reception being pretty positive from the people that want to see like the midnight showing or whatever. So yeah, look out for that review when it comes. But until the next time, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Hypersonic 55 signing out.